It's time for breaking bread with Papa. Hey! Don't you know? Hey! It's our go. Hey! It's time for breaking bread with Papa. Hey! Don't you know? Hey! It's also a show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Breaking Bread with Tom Papa. I'm Tom Papa. We've got a good one today with Josh Scherer, who is an amazing guy. You're going to love him. He's a YouTube sensation. He's an author, a culinary producer for Good Mythical Morning. Uh, millions and millions of people have watched him and his crazy food adventures. You are going to love it. And I really had a great time with him. He's a solid, solid guy. Uh, you are going to have a swell time breaking bread with our good friend, Josh. I want to thank the good people at BetterHelp. BetterHelp. Oh, these are good people. A big thanks for them being the sponsor of today's show. Easy and affordable online therapy. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash papa. That's betterhelp.com slash papa, P-A-P-A. That, that is betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash papa for 10% off. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring today's show. We are moving uh, quickly, quickly through the summer we are, uh, this should be dropping, I think, literally on the 4th of July. Wow, that's patriotic. That's pretty amazing. Or actually, it might be the 5th. Well, either way, it's the 4th. No, everyone screws around that whole week, don't you? I mean, by the time that Friday comes along, that's it. No one's doing anything, anything, except for plumbers when they get called when everything goes awry. And then they get rich. I uh, hope you're doing well. I have uh, I'm planning on a cookout on uh, on the fourth. Gonna have some people roll through. Nothing fancy. I am not gonna pretend that I have my uh, that I have my grill game really down in any exceptional way. I mean, I do okay. I get the right rolls, of course. I uh, I, I chill the things. I, maybe I'll get creative with some kind of a side dish of some sort, but. This isn't heavy lifting. This is just throw it all on the grill and just let it go. Let the hot dogs go until they're wrinkled <laughs> and just keep it going and keep a nice cooler filled with nice cold drinks at your side. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to go too nuts with that. I, I have We have an episode coming up about barbecue next week and they may be they, 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 when you hear this one, this may launch us all off into uh, honing in our, our grill game. But that'll be next week. That's a little teaser for the good guys at, uh, at Pig Beach. Uh, it really does make you realize how, huh, how much you could do and how much you're not doing. But I will say inside, I've been doing some very cool things. I had a, I had a, a couple comedians come over. My friend Jim Gaffigan and Aaron Foley came over on uh, Sunday. Broke out the my classic go-to when people come from out of town and they haven't been here on a Sunday with me. My go-to is the meatballs. It's just meatball city. It's solid. I got it down. It's impressive. And it makes people very happy. And then build around it. Just build out a little rigatoni, a little salad, a little, oh, and we really nailed focaccia. For the first time, I have to say, I know it's kind of seems like a simple bread, but it's a long process. It takes a little beat. It really does. It uh, You got to do it 
like the day before, which when you think when I'm thinking focaccia, for some reason in my head, I was always like, hey, we'll make up some pasta and then we'll get to the focaccia and then we'll just have the meal. And no, you got to you got to put a little more thought into it. Well worth it. Finally nailed it. Let it rise. Give it some time. And it really came out big and fluffy and impressive. And then the other thing that I've been repeating so the meatballs are a solid repetition. The focaccia is one that has got to be in the lineup. Uh, this is all, of course, with all the rest of the bread that's just always going in the house during the week. But the other consistent one, which I'm now dialing that in, is the biscotti. The biscotti. I bounced around with a couple kind of uh, a little fancier recipes, but I found in the New York Times cooking app, the straight up almond biscotti i think it's melissa clark and it is a solid recipe and i've repeated it now two times this week such a good good italian cookie i mean it's so perfect you could have it in the morning with your coffee you could have it in the afternoon with your espresso you could have it when you're just walking through the kitchen you want to shove it in your face before anyone sees you and you don't feel that guilty because it's not crazy sugar. It's a nice balance. And the almond is just amazing. And I don't want to uh, get ahead of myself. But I've always been thinking of how do we get bread to people? All you good listeners. People are always saying, when can we get some? When can I get some? It's a big, difficult thing. I'm kind of working on it. I've got some bread people that uh, I'm talking to. But it's a big endeavor. What I think in my little primitive baking brain have come up with is maybe it's not the bread that we're shipping around. Maybe it's biscotti. And let me pitch this idea to you. What if it's Tommy biscotti? Oh, that sounds pretty good. Tommy biscotti. And you that's why biscotti was created, actually, was because they didn't have ways to ship things long distances without them going stale and you created this biscotti cookie and you were able to transport it and it got me thinking well why can't we transport that to our breaking bread friends why can't we bring tommy biscotti across the land so very exciting little rumblings you know this these kind of things tend to not all the time, but you have to really, really want it. And if you express it, if you give me a nudge, maybe they'll encourage me. But a lot of times this is kind of like when people say, I've got a great idea for a movie. And then it never pans out because you have to actually write it. I've got a great idea for Tommy Biscotti. And then uh, are we going to just keep making it and eating myself? Or will we spread it throughout the land? You could start small. I don't know why it has to be big. There's got to be some people that are down out here listening right now who are like sign me up i'll take a test run of the tommy biscotti through the mail <laughs> oh that brings up another question i think i need a permit of some sort or have to go to a real kitchen i don't think technically you can make things in your kitchen and just sell it to the world but uh the supreme court just came down with a decision that's going to do away with all regulations uh, it's going to slash down the epa and all the rest of it. So if they're going to let us uh, burn the country down burn, and just not really worry about regulating f water and cigarettes and coal mines, are they really going to come for Tommy Biscotti? See, there's a silver lining. 
<laughs> uh, so those are the things I'm dialing in, though. Regardless of the marketing of it and the sending it and getting it to your chubby faces, I think that uh, uh, just little things to do within the home, uh, the biscotti, the meatballs, perfetto, and also the puttanesca. I was making sauce last night. This was uh, just on a Wednesday, and... The, the puttanesca is, you know, they call it the streetwalker pasta, the whore's pasta. It's, uh, the idea was when you had a, a working gal, a streetwalker who needed to make a quick meal for her family. She would just go in, make the quick pasta, throw in some capers and some olives and some garlic and oil and some tomatoes and whip it up real quick. It's, uh, and some anchovies, if you could sneak those in without your wife knowing. Uh, a great pasta and a good summertime pasta. It's just a quick, it's so easy and quick. And it's one of my favorites. I order it out all the time. But the biscotti and the meatballs and the grill. All right, that's enough of my stuff going on. Um, but I hope you're cooking as well. I hope you're baking as well. And uh, keep sharing the stuff online and let me see what you're up to. Josh Scherer, you know Josh. Uh, good Mythical Morning is with Rhett and Link is the... Well, it's one of the most watched things on YouTube, most watched daily shows on YouTube. I mean, millions and millions of people watch this show. Uh, Josh then also spun off and hosts Mythical Kitchen, and that has over 2 million subscribers. He also has a very popular podcast called A Hot Dog is a Sandwich. And he also wrote a book. Oh, man, I'm going to space on the name. I should have written it down. I'm going to look it up because it's disrespectful if I don't. Dun, 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 dun. It's something bro. It's a bro. And he tells a great story about how he wrote the book. We actually start off with it on the podcast in a cookbook. There we go. Bro down cookbook. There you go. Bro down cookbook. And what's very interesting about Josh, he's an athlete. He's uh, but he's an author. He's he the bro down cookbook is a you know, there's a broy element, but what is bro at this point? There is a there is an evolution of uh, people becoming guys or guys, but and then if you can fill their heads with real fun culinary stuff to do, uh, you're gonna be you're gonna be in good shape. Ah, my trusty pal Joey just culinary bro down. The culinary bro down is that what it is? Culinary bro down. There you go. It's a cool book and a cool story. But anyway, he is very prolific. This guy works his tail off. I mean, it's not, you know, whenever you hear of like people being popular on YouTube, it's very easy for people who are not in that orbit to just think, well, you, they just put up videos and people watch them. What is that? Mm -mm 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 -mm. Not at all. The people that work at, uh, at Good Mythical Morning, this is a, this is a huge, huge uh, endeavor. Rhett and Link, super popular, super hardworking guys who met when they were kids, and they've built this thing. And Josh is just, he fits into that engine so well because he just writes like crazy and creates like crazy. And he's very interesting, very funny. If you don't know him, you're going to, uh, you're going to love him after this conversation. Enough of this, enough praise. I don't want him to get too, too full of himself. <laughs> but uh, I really, really like him a lot, and uh, I consider him a new pal. So please enjoy my conversation with Josh Scherer. 
Well, thank you for being here. Yeah, this is really, I'm, I'm, I was psyched that, uh, that you were able to do this mm -hmm. because um, you're very unique in the, uh, in the food world. <laughs> thank you. And uh, in, in, this is all about comedy and food mm -hmm. and you have a good dose of both. And uh, you make you make food very fun. Yeah. Um, but there's also the other part where you're really in good shape. You were an athlete, <laughs> right? At UCLA yeah, yeah, yeah. and all the rest of it. And you're you have this this dichotomy of being like really ripped <laughs> and in great shape, <laughs> and talking about like flaming nacho <laughs> yeah, hot dog yeah. buns and, and and stuff like that. Like your your stuff is off the wall fun food, mm. but you're also definitely health conscious. Oh yeah. So which which how did you get into this world? Because I guess the fitness had to have come first. Not necessarily. No. Really. So okay. So I was a I was a track and field athlete at UCLA, but I was a shot. Well, I was a mostly a hammer thrower. Hammer, right? Yes, um, I mean, so hammer throwers. If you look, at, I mean, especially shot putters in this whole world. I mean, they're these like three hundred pound, absolutely massive dudes. You're spending yeah. like six hours of your life just throwing heavy objects around, lifting heavy weights, and literally like. There's an old story of one of the UCLA coaches, coached several Olympians, he used to show up to the dining hall with a quart of heavy whipping cream and go up to a freshman if he thought he was underweight and just go like, drink it. Uh, and so, you know, that's really? the culture that I came from. And so we're eating 5,000 calories a day. And I'm like, one day we got home from a meet and I was like, what happens if you deep fry a Chipotle burrito? <laughs> and so a lot of those foods are sort of, you know, coming from that era of my life. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, let me go back, though. Uh track and field mm. when you were in high school did they even have hammer in high school no they didn't so yeah. I, I threw shot put and discus in high school it's right. uh, in middle school they were like beefy teen right. here's a heavy ball <laughs> figure it out how tall were you in eighth grade god so in eighth grade i was six feet tall probably 245 250 pounds <laughs> oh, man. and so right now i'm probably like uh 210 and the last time i was this weight is when i was 11 years old Really? Yeah, and so I was, you know, total, total fat kid in yeah. stature and in lifestyle. Did they come for you for football? Oh, yeah. I yeah. Uh, I played football for one year in high school and uh, was really good, was going to get moved to varsity, all that, but I just hated the culture of football so, so, so much. Yeah, it was a little too of the bro-y version of it. The, oh, the yeah. The jockey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, super, super macho. Um, right. And I mean, you know, I grew up in, in Orange County, which is a big sports powerhouse, uh -huh. big hotbed for talent. And like, literally our coach told us to go to the GNC, the, you know, uh, supplement shop mm -hmm. and ask for the football special and they would just give you uh, growth hormones. And so there was just a bunch of 14 year olds. Like legit stuff that you could get at GNC or yeah. was it under the under the table kind of stuff so the product that was out when i was i don't know if you're big into the sports supplement world tom i'm not but. i wouldn't say big no but I've, I've dabbled i've had a power bar hell yeah hell yeah <laughs> so there was this product called uh trend extreme trend is short for trenbolone which is a growth hormone that i believe they give to cattle uh to stimulate more meat production wow and when you got beefy teens you want to stimulate meat production in them you give them that but the makers of this product i believe actually went to jail because they were obscuring the fact that there were just anabolic steroids in it oh. and so i just saw that and i was like i thought sports were about community and character <laughs> building man that's what they said in all the books man doing your best yeah and so i absolutely hated that and i was like well i can just use the same skill set to throw a heavy ball and then get into a college that would not have me academically right and get some money and uh that's what i did wow i did a little i i did track as a way to 
stay in shape for mm. football. Like yeah, that yeah, was yeah. like the thing, like mm-hmm. in the off season, you could still run and I, I did not like it. I, yeah. I ran the 400, oh, which was brutal. so brutal. Oh. And then when they would come for me for the relay at the end of the meet, they would like put together who. Did you hide? Were you one of those? I would kids? hide. <laughs> I would hide in the pole vault yeah. pits, or I also uh, the the shot put and the discus mm-hmm. area was off in the like at the other end of the field. Yeah, and I would go there and like practice <laughs> my shot putting. But I have to say, I um, I really liked that part of it. The shot put and the mm-hmm. discus was. I wasn't very good. There was like a, a really big guy who was yeah. so good at the discus. And it was one of those sports where like you knew size and stuff mattered, but where the, it really the technique of it mm-hmm. like was really the thing. Like if you could master the technique of it, that was very intriguing to yeah. me. I never like it really achieved much in it, but I, I loved being a part of that. Yeah. What's cool about it too is, I mean, I everything I do, I completely nerd out and obsess over. Uh-huh. I think the kids these days are calling it ADHD, you know, where you have a hyper focus or whatever. Yeah. Um, but for me, if I'm doing anything, uh, you know, food has been my biggest obsession for the last like 20 years or so. Yeah. Um, but in high school, you know, I would read like Soviet training manuals. <laughs> Seriously, like we like weird PDFs you dig up on the internet where it's yeah. like, well, the Soviets they figured out that this exercise has the highest correlation to discus success, as seen by Jurgen Schultz training memoir in nineteen eighty. <laughs> Me and friends used to like watch oh, these old training clips of this insane Swedish dude, uh, Ricky Brush, <laughs> who's ended up turning into a comedian and an actor after winning discus gold. Uh, watching him train and just huff like you know all these weird ammonia salts. Jeez, oh, uh, yeah, and. So so it's a sport that, you know, it all happens within a seven foot circle. Mm-hmm. It takes less than one second. Right. But if you, the entire universe exists within that circle, especially if you put, you know, everything you have into that. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of beautiful to me. It's, it's yeah. the dumbest thing to obsess over. And uh, it's awesome. Yeah. No, I think it's only dumb if you don't understand it. I yeah. think if you come from the outside of it, it looks that way. Mm-hmm. But it, once you're in it and around it, I mean, so then when Hammer comes along, so like you... You did, were you introduced to that when you got to UCLA? Uh, so I actually like, went to UC Santa Barbara first. Okay. Um, and then uh, they were able to offer me more money. And then I picked up the hammer when I was there and just took really naturally to me, uh, to me because it's like the shot put in discus, but even uh-huh. less about strength and athleticism and even more about technique. Mm. And so then, I mean, you're spinning in a circle, balancing on your heels and toes four times and then yeah. release it. I mean, it's balletic. It's, it's beautiful to me. Um, and it so, looks fun. Oh, it's so it fun. It looks, I mean, just like as a medieval torture yeah. device that decided <laughs> yeah. to turn into a tossing competition. And that's legitimately <laughs> it. It was like a, a handheld siege weapon in the Scottish Highlands. Uh, you know, and they would do that at the Highland Games. Then now it's an Olympic <laughs> event. And yeah. so I, I picked that up there and then went to, you know, the Junior Nationals to try and qualify for Junior Worlds. Yeah, wow. Um, and then ended up transferring to UCLA just to go to a bigger market. And yeah. every friend I had that stayed in Santa Barbara just... um you know, uh, started a t-shirt company, which means they just sold cocaine to pay their rent while, you know, telling their friends they were starting a t-shirt company. Oh really? So, uh, yeah, <laughs> that was that culture. Yeah. Well, like one works in real estate, the rest are doing that. Oh really? I mean, it's just, yeah. uh, it's a very college town and yeah. it's, it's tough to escape. Was, uh, how good were you on the team at UCLA when you got there? <laughs> they mostly brought me in to try and be the, like, 
training partner junkyard dog to their better guy uh-huh. was like hey he doesn't have a training partner right now you can come in you're a hard worker yeah uh, you can you know show him what smaller schools do who have to have a more dogged mentality and you can make him train harder and then instead i just ended up drinking with him a lot um <laughs> After a while, my, uh, my, I don't know, my confidence in the sport got kind of shattered. Oh, I yeah. told my coach at Santa Barbara, we don't have to get into the whole thing, but it's kind of hilarious. Told him I wanted to transfer schools and then he took it upon himself to just try and destroy my life. What? It was utterly bizarre, man. This guy, uh, has since been fired. Yeah. Pete no. Dolan, if you're out there, you can suck it, dude. Cause you're the worst. Really? He got fired for just emotionally abusing athletes. Jeez. Um, when you have such an insular sport and community, you kind of, you know, you can act like your own weird little cult leader god. Yeah. And so he uh, he stole my phone out of my bag at a meet, and then my friend was texting me, you know, a couple of my teammates sold weed, which was in California. I mean, so decriminalized at the time. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, saw somebody texting me like, hey, can you, can you, you know, get a dime bag, whatever? Uh, and then I come in to his office the next day after he called me in, and he's just like, uh, you're kicked off the team. My best friend is the chief of police. He's going to search your home. You might go to jail. Uh, you're a drug dealer, which was not um, at all. Uh, and you're going to be expelled from school and all this stuff. Oh, my God. And in the NCAA, you are not allowed to transfer schools unless your current coach signs off on a paper oh, saying, yes, you're allowed no. to. Um, and so eventually went through like three months of all this. And meanwhile, school season's coming up. I'm like, I don't know where I'm going to school. Uh, and then I ended up just... I actually contacted the ACLU and they gave me some advice and they were like, well, if he's in violation of NCAA rules, print that out, highlight the part that he's in violation of, throw it on the desk of the compliance officer and say, I'm going to the press and the NCAA if you don't release me. And I did that. And then what was he, what was he in violation of? It was just uh, stealing someone's stealing a child's phone. Well, yeah, I mean, there was there was that. Um, but it was literally just stupid NCAA statutes like you must uh, tell us, notify somebody within 15 days that you have denied the waiver, blah, blah, blah. And so, uh, you know, little technicalities. And then. Right. And I'm sure day, he was pretty dirty. Like if he did that. Oh, yeah. Like he he, he was hiding a lot of other stuff, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it turns out he just he'd done something really similar to a bunch of athletes, and one had suicidal ideation. It was just like the yeah, the, I mean that's for a track and field, a sport that makes no money. Yeah, freaking cares, man. Oh, but it must have been a how how many months did you have to deal with it? It was probably like a solid three month thing, and then uh, since that last meeting, I which is this is a hilarious example of how college athletes don't really have to apply to school at all. Um, I literally just contacted the coach at UCLA. I sent him one video of me throwing hammer that I posted on YouTube. Uh-huh. And he said, great, you start class in a week. Which classes you want to take? Um, so, yeah, shout out. That's great. Shout out Coach Mike Maynard at UCLA. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, man, these people are nuts. Utterly, man. I can't can't God. imagine. And those guys that have been, I don't know if what, it, I guess there's just something wrong with them, but they, like all those gymnast horror stories mm-hmm. and they just they you're right like they feel like they're a god in yeah. this one little space and it's all that weird human stuff mm-hmm. just comes out oh it's so what a creepy creepy thing it's especially when well. you're dealing with young people yeah like even as an adult someone throws that stuff in your face mm-hmm. it's like oh you're not sleeping at night yeah you must have been pretty reeling yeah, no, it wasn't great. I am, um, though I've always had just an, an incredible distrust of authority. Uh-huh. And, and I mean, oh, to this day. Uh, <laughs> and of course, like, hampers me at times. Yeah. But like, it's one of those things where if um, somebody is put in a position of power, I'm just like, 
Well, how did you earn that position? You were in that, like, ethically, were you democratically appointed? Like, how did this, how did this happen? I think uh-huh. you, know, you probably just rise to power, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's healthy. Yeah. And I can't wait to teach my kids that and then have that turn against me. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know. And they tear you down. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, okay. So, well, thanks for sharing that. That's so bizarre. Yeah. When you went, uh, when you started messing around with after the, uh, the cream challenge from the coach fattening up, uh, <laughs> fattening up kids, did, um, did this thing like start happening where you were the food thing? Cause the, when you start doing it and you're just doing mm-hmm. it for fun and you're cre- creating some stuff, there isn't this YouTube universe yet mm-hmm. that you can even think about. Right. No, I mean, it had just started popping off. So I, yeah. um, I didn't graduate from college, but I dropped out in 2014 during my senior year. School's just hard, man. So it's difficult. really hard. It's man, a lot. They you want you to know all the things. They want you to wake up. Oh, tough, tough, tough. You gotta go sit there. <laughs> and so it, YouTube had started popping off, but not to the point where, you know, now a kid in elementary school, their number one answer on what they want to be when they grow up is a YouTuber. God, yeah. That certainly didn't exist yeah. when, at that time. Um, and what did exist were food blogs. And mm-hmm. so I, uh, you know, kind of grew up reading like Tucker Max, that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of really influenced by that. A couple of food memoirs. I mean, Bourdain, Eddie Huang. Right. And so I was just like, yo, I can write really funny things. Um, and I started kind of writing from the caricature perspective uh-huh. of like a super college bro, which mm-hmm. of course there were elements of truth in that. Sure. Um, but kind of like a dumb idiot bro with a heart of gold who also made food. And so I'd write these humor essays and couple it with a recipe. Uh, and then within a couple months that got nominated for an award by Sever magazine, which is wow. one of the big glossies. And then I got a literary agent a couple months after that. Jeez. Which all sounded very impressive and still kind of does. Yeah. But there was like no money in any of it. Sure. And so it wasn't like, you know, uh, yeah. I didn't like drop out of college because I actually had a sort of plan. Yeah. It just sort of happened and then figured it what out. What were naturally. you writing about in those early blogs? I mean, I, you got the character, but like, yeah. do you remember like what were some of the, the what were you blogging about? Like, so there was, there was one piece that, um you know, I've, even though I was like a fat kid, I, especially in college, I took nutrition really seriously. Uh-huh. I was 270 pounds, but it was, you know, eat 300 grams of protein a day, all that stuff. And so I've always been obsessed with all these weird diets. And at this point, the paleo diet was the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, and it was most of these macho CrossFit guys who were like, <laughs> Paleolithic man was so virile and they could bang all night and they could do burpees until like threw up and all they ate were beans or whatever, yeah. you know? Uh, and so I wrote a piece that was about the Velosa diet, which was, uh-huh. you know, if you want to look at the most virile, badass creatures, you got to look at the Velociraptor, man. You got to only eat sides of beef. Uh, and I just wrote it from this insane perspective. And then the wackiest thing is now you got people on the carnivore diet which is literally the Velocity diet that I had outlined in 2014. <laughs> is so, it really? <laughs> yeah. So you're welcome to the Joe Rogans of the world who are doing the uh, the carnivore diet. That was me. It was that was me. It was the Velociraptor It was meant diet. to be a joke. I hope y'all don't get scurvy. <laughs> oh, that's uh, hilarious. <laughs> that's so creative. But man, that that's had to be encouraging. That I mean, so especially at that age to write mm-hmm. something, you hardly think anyone's ever going to see it. 
Of course, yeah. And that you got traction so quick, it must have been really encouraging. It was, yeah. I mean, it, it totally gave me the confidence to, you know, from then I started just pitching publications because um, I was kind of approaching senior year. I was a political science major, uh, international relations, thought I might want to work for the CIA because they're, you know, higher yeah. athletes and stuff like that. And then I actually thought about the prospect of doing that. And uh-huh. I was like, well, I don't, I don't think so, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what so, was the appealing part of it? Like, the to be with the CIA, like to travel or to literally just stable government job right. that I could do. Cause I mean, I, I grew up, you know, poor, my dad and mom, like never really had super stable jobs, bad uh-huh. divorce, killed my dad's career and, oh, and yeah. all that. And so I just grown up with the idea of like government job, government job, pension, do that. Right. Security. Yeah, what was exactly. your dad's career? So he, he was in, um, airport cargo management. Uh huh. So he just like worked in different airports, right. uh, managing cargo shipments. But then by the time he and my mom got divorced, which is when I was four. So around 96, mm. um, he, you know, tried to follow us out to California and he just like aged out of his career and just couldn't get any you know uh, positions at that time. Right. Um, and was like homeless for a bit and then just worked it. Rite Aid and 99 cent stores and right. eventually ended up becoming a special ed teacher uh, in South LA, which super, super commendable and really yeah. awesome. Um, but you know, I just grew up with a lot of financial instability. So I was like, sure. I just need to be as stable as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Carve a way out and give me, <laughs> I don't want to feel like I'm in free fall forever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so I became a freelance journalist. Yeah. <laughs> the most stable right job. at the end of it though. Like it was <laughs> yeah, still at yeah. that moment, like still kind of a thing you could do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Like 10 years after that, it's like, yeah, well, yeah. You're, I think I made high. 50 bucks a pop for my first, uh, online post for Los Angeles magazine. Uh-huh. And I was buying like $80 worth of food <laughs> to write that. And I was right. like, I'm no economist, but this don't exactly yeah. work out in my favor man so yeah so when do you when do you make the move to youtube so i uh i told you i got the literary agent right um, shout out dotto dervis gadditch out there let's get that money baby um, he <laughs> yeah. looks to nobody in the distance um but uh i got a literary agent and i'd been working on a cookbook proposal while also freelancing for whatever publication would have me mm-hmm. uh, i eventually got a full-time staff position at los angeles magazine um, you know, eating at Michelin starred restaurants, being a 23 year old with negative $40,000 to his name, um, which was very <laughs> fun. So great. Yeah. Uh, and so I eventually sold the book and then wrote this book and utterly just burned myself out. So, I mean, I had a, I, I had a crying meltdown in a Starbucks where I went catatonic. What do you mean? Why? Was, <laughs> so I, um, <laughs> this is after the book came out. Uh, no, this is right when I finished the manuscript, uh-huh. like literally hit send from the Starbucks and yeah. then immediately had a breakdown. Um, I was working full time at Los Angeles magazine where they already told me like, don't take your lunch breaks. You're going to have to do your reporting on weekends oh, God. and you're making 30 grand a year. And so you're going to have to pick up, you're living in LA. So you know, you're probably going to have to pick up extra assignments. And so I was also freelancing, trying to get as many bylines as possible. I had a weekly column for Maxim magazine writing recipes. Um, Maxim for a time tried to get away from just titties. And yeah. They became then, a little men's healthy. Yeah. They yeah. put Idris Elba on the cover and I think uh, 40% fewer magazines sold. <laughs> yeah, what so, a horrible idea. Yeah, trying to have some integrity. That was a core business model that worked for a reason. And then it just, you know, um, yeah. so I guess part of that was bringing in me to write recipe content. Right. Um, and so I was doing all that. And I mean, really burning the candle at both ends. 
And when you sign a book deal, at least in my experience, I thought it would be like, hey, every month we're going to check in on you. You need two chapters by this date, two chapters by this date. And instead it was like, you got nine months. See you with a full manuscript. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or else we'll sue you for the money back. Um, And so I basically left the book for uh, the last month. You did? Yeah. Oh, man. That's weird because you... I was just thinking as you're telling your story, like this is a story really of a writer. This is, mm. this is, you're in the habit of cranking stuff out at this point. Like you've written a lot of stuff, yeah. but too much stuff. Though. Uh, yeah. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And you're still doing other stuff. This is a side yeah. thing is the book. I mean, it's not even other yeah. stuff. It's, um, this is a huge reality of new media that people don't talk about enough. I think mm-hmm. I, you know, grew up reading Jonathan Gold in LA as yeah. did a ton of people. Yeah. And, you know, he famously, walked down Pico Boulevard and ate at every single restaurant. Right. And, you know, he wrote his reviews and I was hearing some people talk about how, um, all the writing in LA sucks compared to Jonathan Gold. No one could be Jonathan Gold. No one uh-huh. could be, which I agree with. He was a fantastic, absolutely virtuosic writer, big old heart, just a, a beautiful, beautiful soul. He could make a living writing one column a week. Mm-hmm. I had a quota of three posts a day. Right. You know, uh, right of now. What I'm, length? What do you mean, post? I mean, um, whatever length gets you SEO value, and also can be a story that would get people to, you know, everything's so tracked uh, right. online. But these are articles. You're not just talking posts of. Oh no! These, yeah, these are social media articles. posts. These are like. Oh yeah, yeah, no, full on articles. Full yeah. on articles. Yeah, uh, and so three had, a day. Yeah. Holy. And then on top of that, freelancing, and you just need more and more and more and now i make yeah they're like beasts yeah it's insane so i was used to cranking stuff out and even then it was procrastinating like crazy Mm -hmm. um and so this book comes along and i was just like we'll figure that out later yeah and eventually wrote 85 ish percent of it on a greyhound bus trip from la to reno nevada (laughs) how'd you why'd you buy that ticket (laughs) well the uh national rib championship was in reno of course i had i had friends going to reno um and i was like if i can just shut myself in a metal box with no distractions you know you're driving up through like you know uh the grapevine and through tahoe and you're not even getting service I was like, if I can just shut myself off, mm-hmm. I can just write and write and write. Yeah. And I did for like, I think 24 hours, I banged out something like 40,000 words. Yeah. What were you writing on? Just, who knows at this no, point? No, physically. Oh, oh, oh uh, a little Chromebook. A this Chromebook. before I even had a, yeah. a real laptop. That's good. Um, That's actually yeah. good. There's no, not a lot of distraction oh, exactly, on yeah. that. Yeah. No, literally nothing. And 40,000 words in how many? 24 hours total. Um, oh yeah. my God. I took about a two between the 12 hour periods. I took a break to eat a bunch of ribs and get drunk in Reno, uh-huh. uh, which Reno uh, biggest little city in the world. What a, what a nice place. <laughs> it, is, yeah. it is beautiful. It's like a bunch of cruise ships that have been stranded on land. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, it's a great it. way to put it. We're just docking. Yeah, here. it really is. And the, and the, and the people that populate it <laughs> never found a way back onto a ship and they just dried out in the desert yeah. and they didn't need to, you know, They're they got some there, boots <laughs> <laughs> their skin acclimated to the sun and, oh yeah it's, it's just like raisins at that point yeah you know? it really is <laughs> so what was the book what well it, it wasn't a cookbook it was uh, it was it was a cookbook was, but, but a just with a lot of, of fat around it exactly yeah, right? yeah, yeah and what's the what's the what was the working title or the theme like you were going towards so the uh it was uh the the blog was called culinary Brodown. Okay. A name that a stoned man at a party blurted out when I was thinking about starting a blog. And uh-huh. I said, that's the ticket. It is a um, good one. Yeah. And so it was called The Culinary Brodown Cookbook, uh, Recipes for a Dope-Ass Life. 
Right. So it's meant to be like recipes, but also the, you know, just how to live virtuously, I suppose, in bro speak. Right. Yeah. Right. That's really good. That was because when I when I was reading about it, uh, when I was in college, it was the I got a book um, by the Frugal Gourmet. Do you remember mm-hmm. the Frugal Gourmet? Mm-hmm. And it was like half a laugh, but also like, no, I'm going to I have no money. Mm-hmm. We have no food in this place. I'm going to make an onion cinder. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, take yeah. an onion uh-huh. and wrap it in tinfoil and put it in the fireplace yep. and then eat it. Yep. Like it actually, you know, that part useful, part whatever. Yeah. But 40,000 words in, a, in 24 hours. <sighs> yeah. Man, oh man. How much re-editing of that did you have to do? Or were you pretty Almost solid? none. <laughs> For real? Yeah, the cookbook process. Wow. And it's it's a major publisher, too. Um, and I, I think the book is good. I like to, you know, write write pretty clean copy, despite being absolutely whacked out of my gourd. Um, and then, uh, yeah, roughly no major re-edits. Man. A lot of formatting stuff and recipes. But other than that, they just... It's pure stream of consciousness uh, writing in that book. You must be pretty proud of that. I certainly am. I'm, yeah. I'm like proud of, I mean, I'm proud of the book. I, I've, you know, gone back and reread it and, you know, it's, it's funny. I think if we're doing a big critique, I think yeah. it is missing a, a larger thesis that ties everything together. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I still look back on that and I'm like, one, I'm incredibly proud of the writing in there. And then two, I'm incredibly proud that I got the money um, and successfully finished a damn book. Yeah. 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 And just to, and also even just creatively, like the, Mm -hmm. there's something very cool that you were able to distill Mm -hmm. this stream of consciousness, just this burst in that short time. Like that's a very unique thing. Yeah. It was, um, I mean, the cool thing too, is that you were writing all this other stuff, but you knew this was looming. Mm -hmm. So your subconscious is going to work on it without you sitting on your oh, yeah. Chromebook, right? Like a oh, big time. It's kind of happening even when you're not really aware of it. Yeah. It was, it was all pre-written in my head yeah. and then it just kind of blah, vomited out on the page yeah. on, on route to Reno. <laughs> so great. That's so great. It really is kind of like, you know, you heard this story of like Sylvester Stallone writing Rocky, right? Like mm-hmm. when he went into the room and like painted the windows black and just stayed in there and did yeah. it. like that's, it has that kind of a, uh, cool factor to it yeah it was very much like that except i was you know smoking camel extra wides with the local townies you know uh hitting back up to reno uh in between that was a good writer's block but then you hit send and you it's something like the computer just fritzed out no i so i um you know wrote like 80 percent of it and then i went back and tried to sort of edit it this is maybe a week after the reno trip Uh i am i am so sleep deprived at this point yeah um that i started hallucinating (laughs) Really? Which had never happened to me before. All right, so, let me ask you that real quick, just yeah, because yeah. Uh, I've been in this, I'm literally uh, putting, handed in my third book this week. Oh, wow. And there was that thing, like this weekend, I just had to bull through it. Mm-hmm. And I, part of me was thinking, what if I just stay up? Like, why go to bed? Yep. Or what if I just keep going? And I was like, that's really, number one, unwise. And, yep. pro- and number two, I don't think I... I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think yeah. I'm, I'll think this is going to happen and I'm just going to pass out at the yeah. desk. But, uh, but at that age, 
you can do it. Yeah, I think I must have been like 24 at the yeah, time. Yeah, you know, let's so just go. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're still in the mindset when you have an early flight. Yep. Let's just drink and stay party up and, through it. and yeah. go through the thing. Yeah, it turns out you can't just party through it with a whole ass book. Uh, not advisable. You will uh, think you are in the Matrix inside of a Starbucks and start crying because you don't know how to escape. Uh, Is that what was that the hallucination? Straight up, yeah. I started seeing everything in a green and black grid. And so I would look around and it was like the Terminator, you no. know, scanning or, or Neo when he gets lost in the Matrix. Yeah. And it freaked me out so hard. And my serotonin levels must have just been so depleted at that point. Yeah. That for like two hours I was just sitting there just like <laughs> silently tears streaming down my cheek, unable to move. What's so funny about that is how many times you see people upset at Starbucks over a laptop and you're like, yeah, yeah they're just dealing with it. Yeah, like, yeah. No one's going to ask like, are you okay? Yeah. yeah. No, that's <laughs> if, if you're going to have a catatonic meltdown anywhere, let it be a Starbucks. Don't do it in a wiener schnitzel. People can start asking questions, you know, right? Exactly. Yeah. Starbucks. That's the place to be. Did you, do you remember what you had, what your order was? Did you have like a big grande vente? Something oh, it next was to you? a, not only that, this is the era of the, the Trenta. <laughs> Which is uh, a uniquely American uh, big gulp, I believe is what it would be called. And it was a Trenta Red Eye. Oh, my God. Which is black coffee mixed with shots of espresso. <laughs> and so, you know, it's a kind of Starbucks speedball is what you would call it yeah. uh, in a 30-ounce cup. And so it was just like grabbing any stimulant to, to stay awake at that point. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, it was brutal. That's so great. And then you hit send and it goes out. And then you just and hear just, nothing. It's, it's so. <laughs> isn't that the worst when you send it and you don't hear back for yeah. longer than what? Yeah. <laughs> it's I thought it was going to be like the, the, the party horn and confetti yeah. from my computer. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Dun, Good da, da, job, da. Josh. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor Better Help. Better Help. Help is the key word here. Look, everybody needs assistance at some time. We all have uh, a need for some help. And these are complicated times. I there's it's as we're look, let's just take away the times. Let's take away all the anxiety of the news. Let's take away the anxiety of the of the planet warming. Let's take away the, the anxiety of inflation and gas prices and all the rest of it. Let's just 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 deal with us. Uh, you, me, and our little heads. It is a natural thing for a human being to need to work through problems all the time. That's what our busy brain does. And sometimes it's a bit of a load. Sometimes you just need to bounce stuff off another person. Sometimes you need a little perspective. Uh, Sometimes your friends and family aren't even enough. And sometimes you can be open and share things with a therapist that you can't share with the people just around you. And that's where BetterHelp comes in. They have uh, all of these therapists that are standing by, they can match you with a therapist within 48 hours, within 48 hours. I mean, this is the cool thing. They just made searching and finding help and finding someone to talk to very easy. It takes the stigma away. You don't have to ask for referrals. BetterHelp is your friend. In online therapy, they offer video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions. So you don't even have to see anyone on camera if that bothers you. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. And like I said, you'll be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try. Even if you just want to talk through something, if you just have this little inkling, like, hey, maybe that would be cool for me, you may not even be aware of how much help you can get. And you may not even be aware of what just speaking to somebody 
who has a little knowledge and a little guidance can do for you. You may open up a whole new way to balance your life. Look in my comedy world. Uh, every comedian I know has their weekly session with their therapist and, uh, and they're bringing up and even talk about it on stage. And uh, these are people that are just very busy heads and always just looking to um, be honest and truthful and try and help themselves out. And that's what we want for you. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash papa. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash papa. You will get 10% off slash papa. Thank you, BetterHelp. You're just like, how can I drive my car home? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. How old are you at this point? Uh, 30, just turned 30. Just turned 30? Yeah, and, and I feel ready for it. Yeah. How old were you when you did the book? Uh, 24 when I wrote it, and I uh-huh. suppose it came out when I was 25. Right. And, um, and then that is how I ended up in the YouTube game. I had done one video with uh, Mythical, which does Good Mythical Morning with yeah. Red and Link, who I currently work for. I did one video with them randomly. I got hooked up through, you know, um, one of our producers used to work with one of my editors or something. Uh-huh. Uh, and she asked her, um, do you know anybody that does weird stuff with food? And then she was like, well, my associate editor at this luxury magazine mm-hmm. happens to have this weird ass food blog. And so I produced yeah. one episode for them. And then um, I was so busy at the time that I just didn't keep up the relationship yeah. until my book came out. And I had technically gotten fired from the magazine mm-hmm. on the day that I was going to quit. So, you know. Yeah. Screw them. Yeah, exactly. But they, then you get fired, you can get unemployment. So Right. Yeah, I'll yeah. take it. <laughs> um, but I sent Mythical a copy of my cookbook and, uh, you know, our chief creative officer, Stevie, literally called me and was just like, hey, do you want a job? Mm. And I was like, I've never done anything like that before. And she's yeah. like, I don't care. And I've been right. there for almost five years now. Wow. Yeah. That's five years, really? Yeah. God. Uh, we've only been um, doing, so Mythical Kitchen is the spinoff that I now host. Right. Uh, we've only been doing that for about two and a half years. Oh, okay. So I was doing sort you of were part of the their camera. thing. Mm-hmm. Right. When you would make stuff for them and exactly, appear yeah. once in a while kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you hit it off with them right away? Was it a, was it a tough environment to kind of break into? Because they so had a lifetime of mm-hmm. i mean literally their whole lives together yeah it it kind of was but um it, it was more tough to break through the fandom which youtube fandom is very very intense because unlike um you watch say a sitcom you might yeah. really enjoy ray romano oh, we're talking about phil rosenthal earlier so ray, yeah. ray romano's in the print <laughs> yeah. um but you know you might really enjoy him but you understand you are watching somebody playing a character even a stand-up right. they're on a stage and you have you're watching other people watch them youtube especially the roots of it you know Rhett and link started making videos in their garage so you feel like you are a part of them you feel like mm-hmm. they're talking directly to you because they are in a way there's an intimacy there exactly yeah it's and closer so, to like radio almost yeah in the old truly. days of like people yeah had this connection with them that yeah, it's very one-on-one. Yeah, right, right, mm-hmm. right. That's it. It's and so one-on-one. getting getting the trust of the audience as like a new person in that environment, you know, that was something that I always took like really seriously. Mm-hmm. Like don't come in and rock the boat too much or swing too hard. Like right. understand why people love them so much mm-hmm. and then try and figure out how to take the the base of that and then filter that, you know, sort of through me and how I can become my own version of that. Right. In a sense. So it's kind of like a that long process. That was pretty process. savvy. Did you figure that out on your own or were, were you just kind of conscious of the, of the atmosphere at that point or were you? Or yeah. Did, yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, 
so much i've had to produce so much content yeah. over my life that you learn really fast how to code switch mm-hmm. right and so i'd write an article for vice that would be in an entirely different voice than an article for my blog would be in an entirely different voice right than an article for los angeles magazine where we're trying to not lose our sponsorship from infinity motor cars <laughs> you know what i mean and yeah. so i just yeah. learned to code switch so much and to adapt to whatever medium which again also switches freaking constantly now right that any new thing springs up i'm like how do i still stay true to myself but mm-hmm. also learn the medium learn the audience and yeah. learn what makes it tick right right but it seems like you had your your kind of your voice of what you decided you were going to do there mm-hmm. like pretty figured out like this is probably just you it was probably just a little true to yourself it was definitely different, different speeds maybe a different version can you can you yeah. do you curse on this podcast yeah if you want i might as well it would serve a point um the term <laughs> fuck appears over 300 times i believe in my cookbook it was just part of the shtick you <laughs> the know bro like, thing, Put the, yeah. mouth, the fucking pork belly in the fucking oven that's it you know right it was the thing and then you know uh Rhett and link were at least started a very sort of christian and also youtube demonetizes any cursing mm-hmm. and so suddenly you know that was taken out suddenly any of the very blue stuff was taken out right you know and so i had to sort of abandon that shtick and still also as i matured i was like Mm -hmm. well maybe that stuff isn't as funny to me anymore yeah and so i sort of you know did adapt but also just it's still just been me the whole time yeah because i mean when you go back to your the reason you left football in that one year yeah yeah because you weren't really broy yeah you weren't really that thing Mm -hmm. but you knew how to speak that kind of you know that thing and there's a there's a big it sounds funny, but there's a wide spectrum to broness. Certainly, yeah. <laughs> right? I yeah, mean, there's, yeah. there's just guys that are just like you know are really crude and mean and whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's also just guys that are guys and just yeah. enjoying themselves. But they're also kind and you know <laughs> are going to be nice to a girl. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> you know? in, in college, I, I would literally you know go from deadlifting 600 pounds in the weight room, <laughs> yeah. and then I performed a spoken word poem about toxic masculinity in the <laughs> Bruin Den coffee shop. Right. Uh, in the same day. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I like being able to swing across that whole spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah yeah which is kind of like it, it's it, it is an interesting um it's interesting how men are actually changing like that mm-hmm. there is like this you know from our fathers or grandfathers you could just you had to be this one way mm-hmm. and there was like and you just shut up and you dealt with it and you yep. sh- and you don't talk about anything to anybody at any point mm-hmm. and now there's you know without losing masculinity there's you're everyone's open and searching and looking for ways to relate and be more thoughtful and be more kind or, and it's, it's, and you see it with podcasts and all these different Mm -hmm. things that are emerging. Like, it's uh, it's almost like people have been craving it. Yeah. Men have been craving it. Oh God, they've been craving it for thousands of years, man. Yeah. At least watching like my own father and him talking about his relationship with his father, you know, it was just very just tight lipped, clenched teeth. Yeah. Don't express yourself too much. You know, and I, I watched my dad just, he always tried to pantomime, pantomime. I mean, he's a, a he's a boomer's boomer. Like he is a direct victory baby. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and he always tried to pantomime this kind of macho man. But you know, I'd watch him take a sip of a dark beer and, <laughs> and kind of grit his teeth and like not finish it over the course of the meal. Like, right. <laughs> like were you trying to impress eight year old me, Dad? What the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so yeah, I, I love that we're just redefining what masculinity means. Right. Right. It's incredible, and especially moving from football to track. I feel like I found my exact tribe of people who were all, mm-hmm. you know, 
big into weird nerdy stuff and history and poetry and they were also these you know six six three hundred pound yeah bearded lumberjacks <laughs> right. you know throwing heavy metal balls in the olympics yeah um and i i absolutely love that man yeah I, I, i'd like to advocate for more of that that was mm-hmm. one of the points of of my book yeah you know it's kind of tearing it down via this like reductio ad absurdum kind of parody of it all and showing how dumb it is right um but yeah. i guess a lot of people have lost weight on that carnivore diet now so <laughs> <laughs> eggs yeah. on my face i guess <laughs> right yeah then there's always that thing of like uh people that see the irony and don't see the irony yeah, like you know yeah. what i mean like and they kind of go along for the people who watch fight club and go oh we should start a fight club <laughs> right. that looked badass dude you know exactly <laughs> there's always those people out there. yeah yeah exactly all right so you so you start uh you start working for them Mm. and feeding them stuff was it was it was it the unique kind of outrageous kind of like finding new fun snack foods and that kind of thing right off the bat or did and you've just kind of carried that through or was it were you kind of finding your way and were they asking for different things in the beginning? Yes, I mean, they're, and the reason they immediately called me when I sent them my book was because they were like, this is exactly where we want the food on our program to go. Right. It was very YouTubey. It's very, you know, I would make stuff like flaming Hot Cheeto Fried Chicken in the cookbook because that's right. some dumb stuff I do in college, especially yeah. after drinking. Um, <laughs> and that was a very YouTubey type thing, right? These right. very iconic images that you can put in the thumbnail of a video and people want to click on it to see what it is for real and so they'd been doing things that were sort of similar but they didn't have anybody with the actual culinary acumen to pull it off right and so i came in and um you know we would just make the most absurd things possible and they they really loved it the fans really loved it how are you coming up with the ideas for it like when um i spoke with uh with babish Mm -hmm. and you know his thing is all like from tv shows like whatever they make and then you would make it uh where were you coming up with ideas was it just off your head of like this will be this would be fun pretty much but i mean uh, a lot of the times i if somebody just gives me like an adjective and a noun Uh you know i'll just be like (laughs) great i can i can cook that and so we we have a team of, of writers who you know they're all comedy writers and so they would we have this pilot series or sorry this flagship series called will it uh-huh. where the idea is we'll take a cheesecake and it'll be like beef bile will it cheesecake and so <laughs> i'm just sitting there in a writer's room and they'd be like can you make a beef bile cheesecake and i was like yeah of course and i was like i was like you'd have to the bile's liquidy so you'd have to reduce it down because that way it's not going to you know cause the consistency to change it's not going to shift the fat to water relationship but uh-huh. yeah of course i can do it why you know like no reason and then that ends up on the show. Do you ever being, say no? Was there ever a no? <laughs> there's certain things and like, God bless our writers, but I will never forget when someone came up to me and they were like, can you make a sandwich invisible? Uh, and I was like, I, I think this is what's called a logical paradox. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, unless you're talking about some like deep state military technology that exists that I don't know about yeah. that can cloak the bread. No. Yeah. And they were like, no, my I'm head went right asking. to gelatin. <laughs> yeah. Gelatin you know? and some good lighting. And we did that, man. We did the, uh, uh the chef Wiley Dufresne famously made a clear pumpkin pie. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I can make any pie clear. Right. And so like, what if we just made a, a, and have people guess what the flavors were. And so, you know, we did like a tobacco flavored, uh, clear pie. Oh really? And so it was kind of being referential to a lot That's of things funny. that existed. And then like, yeah. how can we make this as insane as possible? so where did your knowledge come of of food like what like you legit have like an understanding and mm. working knowledge of it. it it wasn't like it seems like in the beginning it was just 
kind of fun and mm-hmm. thinking about fun shit like in college we used to make grilled cheese with an iron just putting yeah, it in, yeah. in a tinfoil and you know in the on the onion cinder but where did you did you study it at all did you were you into cookbooks did you practice food network baby just food network i mean honestly being yeah. a, a latchkey kid you yeah. come home at 2 30 at night and you watch food network till 8 30 at night you're right. getting six hours of free culinary yeah. school right uh, and then when i was like 11 years old uh, my dad noticed that i was watching all this and you know he kind of bristled he was like i you know pay for cable and all you watch is cooking uh-huh. um and then he was like well if you're gonna do that might as well just cook for us and so he was straight up like i will clean the toilets i will do all of your chores if you cook dinner every night really this man did not know how to cook <laughs> um, a great deal yeah it really was and yeah I mean, he gave me a budget and i would set off when i was like 11 years old to trader joe's with my little you know little uh you know reusable plastic bags uh you know asking people like hey is is this the only gorgonzola that you that you have and, you know trying to check my budget see if i could afford the 4.99 uh, and so i literally was cooking for my family every day for a long time and then right. started cooking for friends in high school cooking for friends in college i would just read everything i could yeah. um tom Colicchio's book think like a chef yeah. is a really formative one for me yeah i would read all the food memoirs i could just trying to very cool i'm always perpetually scared that i am underprepared for something mm-hmm. and so especially when i decided to get into food media or at least try and chase that dream i was like i'm going to read everybody and everything and i will be i was memorizing uh menus on yelp mm-hmm. um and when i interviewed for los angeles magazine i was too poor to eat at any of the restaurants they wrote about and so i memorized their menus on yelp and you know somebody asked me in an interview they're like oh my god have you been to otis and penelope yet and i was like "Ugh, yeah i had a 7 30 res and get this they ran out of the beef rib they're like no way at 7 30 i was like yeah they had a 10 top never been to the restaurant before I, I looked up a yelp review that said order the beef rib early because they run out and i was just like lying about all these there's still places to this day that i don't think i've been to in la but i don't know if i've lied about it in the past oh, no. to somebody important yeah to where i just go oh yeah i've been there you know i've, I've been everywhere no, i haven't <laughs> did you have when you start becoming the family chef mm. did you have a uh did you a favorite of the families or with like a signature dish like either <laughs> either out of just ease or that you were just like known for like it's chicken night or whatever uh yeah so i had i had an early signature dish that <laughs> i've actually always wanted to try and recreate or make it not terrible on the show but one thing when you get an 11 year old watching unfettered food network you know you learn how to uh make a nice baked chicken and stir fry from rachel ray but then you start getting a little out of your out of your league out kicking your coverage so to speak and so uh one of my signature dishes was um savory spiced crepes this is the official Uh language filled with a mushroom and scallop risotto wow and when i say that i mean i boiled minute rice and i mixed a can of cream of mushroom soup (laughs) with the 99 cent uh frozen bagged scallops they had at albertson's whipped that all together and then filled it in uh bisquick that had been spiked with hot sauce (laughs) oh yes yeah, uh, <laughs> that's this is great because this is kind of your whole thing. Yeah, this is your origin story. This is really because as as funny as any of those items are on their own, <laughs> yeah. I know that must have tasted amazing. <laughs> like you put that together. Oh yeah, you're, you're no one's going to complain about that. Yeah, the verbiage was a little yeah. highfalutin for what it actually was. <laughs> I'll admit, I think I was an early marketing and branding expert. Um, but you yeah. Know, I feel like that combination could still work to this day. Yeah. A lot of vinegar in that pancake, though, I'll tell you what. Oh, really? (laughs) It's a heavily vinegared pancake, Tom. (laughs) Oh, it's so great. All right, so here's the thing. You, this is kind of back to the, to the, um, 
the new man, mm-hmm. the, right? You have all these like great things like you just want to click on any mm-hmm. flaming hot whatever. Did you ever have the flaming hot Mountain Dew by the way? Yeah, we uh, we actually turned it into a uh, <laughs> like a guest streak for chicken wings. Oh, which really? is really nice. Yeah, reduce it, mount it with butter, a little bit of vinegar. <laughs> pretty nice. <laughs> it's pretty good. I've been meaning to try it. I haven't, I haven't stopped it's, off it's and got just it. Yet. Okay, it's, man. Is it? Yeah, you kind of know what it's going to taste like yeah, before you taste it. Right. You know what you're going to feel like. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So you have this really fun, outrageous mm-hmm. kind of stuff that you can make and and play around with. But back to you're still an athlete. You're mm-hmm. obviously still working out. You've been out of school for some time, mm-hmm. but it seems like it must still be a big part of your life. Yeah. In your mind, how do you balance or how do we balance mm-hmm. having the fun and being really healthy? Oh man. Um, I don't know if what I do is balance, mm-hmm. right? I think I, and a lot of people ask me that and they're like, um, you know, you're, you're healthy, you're fit. And it's like, I was in a wheelchair, uh, cause I tried deadlifting too much on my 30th birthday in an urgent care, getting a shot of Toradol to the butt. Wow. Like what I do isn't healthy. I've stumbled upon these mm-hmm. weird meme pages on YouTube yeah. that are like very kind of pro toxic masculinity. Don't know why the algorithm served me that, <laughs> yeah. but it'll be like, uh, they, they showed this video that was, you know, kind of very fat phobic and whatnot. And it was like, this is healthy. And it shows Ronnie Coleman. If you know that is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, deadlifting and it's like this is healthy push if you know anything about ronnie coleman he is absolutely i mean crippled can't walk now. yeah Dude can't walk that's I not know. healthy me doing crossfit you know nine sessions a week isn't healthy yeah um so i don't know that i have an answer for that man i i, I think i yeah well th- well good. well um all right so let's stick with your mania then yeah let's, please. Let, let's stick with <laughs> let's stick with it because you have a good food origin like we have mm-hmm. the, the good fun like that's that all makes sense that yeah. story you told um at what age do you start becoming conscious of like what you're going to put in your body mm-hmm. not just working out and and going for uh for football and all the rest of it and track and field like at what point were you starting to become conscious of um how you're going to fuel this this system yeah i think um it was probably after i had uh quit slash gotten fired from los angeles magazine Mm -hmm. um because i was you know one didn't make enough money to have a nice gym membership uh and so i credit a lot of my fitness to just being able to afford the 180 bucks a month at the place that i currently go to um i was having to eat out three nights a week at these lavish you know restaurants yeah um which like i know it's so sad that i had to do that no but it's, uh, that's taxing like <laughs> it is any, yeah. any, any any food oriented thing yeah people don't realize like that Frank, guy that man versus food guy he, yeah. he traveled around with like a cardiologist yeah, because yeah. it was it's, it's a it's a real thing frank bruni from the new york times got gout yeah <laughs> he had to right yeah um yeah and so after that i was just like i feel bad and mm. then as much as I love um, the idea of new masculinity and um, shunning toxic masculinity, I also love embracing it for like an hour and a half at a time. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, honestly, this it's is true. Yeah, it's like I I, get that. <laughs> a lot of people ask me for advice in, in how I got in shape. And the answer isn't what I think is good to put in the world, but it's what worked. Mm-hmm. Where I, I looked myself and I would never use this language to anybody else but me. And I said, yeah. you fucking pussy, get the fuck out of your bed get to that goddamn gym like you mm-hmm. know i had said to sort of will myself to do it and um you were your own military uh 
yeah guy yelling at the guys in the bunk yeah <laughs> and like i i wish i had an answer that would make me a better role model uh-huh. like oh it was self-love and i said god gave you this yeah, body it's yeah like, but like, i mean no. any of those guys that you see like david goggins of the world yeah, and, like yeah. all those guys it's there's our brain is very clever Mm-hmm. Our brain can get out of anything. Like oh, yeah. It really is very good at, I deserve coffee in the morning. Yeah, Shouldn't yeah, I yeah. sit with the paper and isn't that what life is? Mm-hmm. And then you need that other part of your brain to be like, you piece of garbage, get yeah. to work. Yeah. <laughs> like and you, I, you have to... <laughs> You really do. You you have to break down your own cleverness. I think there's <laughs> I think there's <laughs> virtue to suffering. Yeah, and I think you know uh, uh-huh. people throughout history have written about that. The Stoics. Yeah, I think there's just flat out um, virtue mm-hmm. to suffering, and I think you know everyone who is into the self care movement, which to a lot of people it just seems like they equate self-care with like moisturizing, which to me is really weird. Like I told somebody that <laughs> I don't have candles. a skincare routine and they're like, don't you believe in self-care? <laughs> I was like, what the hell? They're not the same. But I think a lot of people conflate self-care mm. with either laziness or selfishness. Right. In a way that I, yes. you know, I think we're still at a place in the world where we can say there's virtue in hard work, right? Mm-hmm. There's virtue in pushing yourself. There's virtue in making yourself uncomfortable and growing and becoming a better person from yeah that, yeah you know? yeah no 100% it's amazing how uh it's amazing how <laughs> when you start out how little you have to do to suffer yeah yeah <laughs> for real which is a good thing though it is a good thing like I, I just got put the, had this guy's put this little gym in my uh mm. in my garage um shout out to Adam <laughs> Adam Fitness and uh and it's like this cool thing and like it has these classes and I was like, oh yeah, this will be fun. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, all right, it has a pull-up bar. When's the last time I did a pull-up? Mm-hmm. It has rings. Like I'm going to do what with these rings? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, in a, a box to step up. And I was like, all right. And I took the first class and like when you said burpees, I almost yep. twitched because, <laughs> and there's three different people like doing the class on the TV at the same time you're doing oh, yeah, it yeah. and of different levels. And I'm like, I'm probably the middle guy. I'm the middle guy. I'm not her. Like, she's going to be yeah, really yeah, fast. Yeah. I could tell. She's going to have crazy, crazy girl strength. Mm-hmm. And this guy in the middle, is, he's, he's probably close to me. And then that big giant guy with his belly hanging over the side. <laughs> yeah. That guy's going to be eating my dust. I always want to know how those people are cast in those. Because uh, I, I did the same thing with the yoga video once. Yeah. And there's like Karen in the back is struggling with her movements. <laughs> and that's okay, Karen. Right. It's like, I know. They're like slapping the big guy around. And I was closer to the, when we got to the burpees at the end of the workout, I was closer to the big guy by far than either of the other two. And I was like, Ooh, this is going to be a journey. Like this is going to be it. But it felt so good. Like I was literally sore that night. Like you normally are sore the next day. I was sore that night and I hadn't really been pushed like that since like high school didn't it feel good felt great oh great it felt great did you did you keep doing it like are you, uh, uh, this literally is five days ago oh man well yeah. i and guess I the question the still stands <laughs> yeah the question is <laughs> i have not been back yeah uh i did the peloton in between because nice. i it's 98 degrees here right now yeah and it's in the garage it's a scorcher i haven't really dialed in that 
my, oh, my daughter's like, like, how about a fan? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, maybe that's a good idea. You gotta, or get up early in the morning and do it. Just train like a boxer. Just put the put the trash bag on and then make sure you have like a life alert in case you, you know, get heat stroke. And that's... I know. <laughs> I literally... There's the box that you do the step ups on, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, you hold a dumbbell and go up on the steps. And uh, I was just like laying on the box <laughs> watching them at a certain point. <laughs> But there is something so great to it. There is, yeah. there is a, a really something pretty solid. It's entirely changed my life. I mean, I mean, yeah. I had always worked out really hard and yeah. even, you know, um, when I was working for LA mag, I'd still, you know, lift like three days a week, stuff like that. Yeah. But then now every single morning getting up at 6am going, and I don't want to sound like that schmuck who's, you know, Mark Wahlberg wakes up at three thirty. No, he doesn't. Yeah. And I know. I like, saw it. Yes, he, exactly. He's not getting out of his first workout and praying at three, yeah, no. three in the morning. No matter what father <laughs> Stu said, uh, but in any time anybody yeah. um, describes their fitness or diet routine, yeah. you got to just do like, okay, times 0.7. Because that's what they're actually doing. Uh-huh. Right? There's days when they yeah. get invited out from people. You know, there's days when they're not right. actually doing that. Yeah. Um, and if they're not doing that, then they are just actual sociopaths and certainly not role models to look up to. <laughs> uh, in that case, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I, I just, yeah, I mean, every morning, uh, at least let's say times 0.7, yeah. getting up 7 a.m. in the gym and get all of my toxic masculine rage that mm-hmm. is inherited by all of us through our fathers and their fathers. I just put that <laughs> into the barbell and then I can show up to work with a clear head and be ready to be non-competitive and collaborative and totally. empathetic. Um, and I think I just need that, you know, 90 minute release mm-hmm. of just purging all of that, listening to death metal. I mean, my hand's literally bleeding on your table, Tom, right. from earlier today. <laughs> um, you know, just get it all out of your system. That, uh, the mental part of it, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to say it's completely blows away the physical part, but during the pandemic, when I was just like, all right, we can go two directions here. Yeah. We can either yeah, yeah. work out every single day or we can, you know, just deal with a mental health crisis Yeah, <laughs> and getting on that bike corrected me every single day. Yeah. A hundred percent. Just the mental part. I well, was like, I don't care if I'm losing weight. There is no physical part. Uh, it's all the mental part, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, it's <laughs> not to get back to the matrix. You know, yeah. <laughs> the spoon does not exist, uh-huh. right? Even the way that you are reacting to your body changing, right? That's literally all mental. Right? I don't know how you feel about Cartesian dualism and whether the brain and the and the mind are are, are one and the same. Mm-hmm. But I will say, when people talk about the split between well, there's the physical part, the physical benefits, uh-huh. and the mental benefits. They're all mental benefits. The physical benefits that you're perceiving, yeah, you perceive that which your brain. It's all a mental benefit, if that makes sense. Not to get all mystical. Almost, almost. Keep going. (laughs) Seriously, (laughs) Um, because... Think about people with, like, body dysmorphia, right? Uh Uh-huh. Which a lot of... I mean, I'm probably subject to a little bit of that. Um, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of bodybuilders certainly are. Yeah. Um, You know, they... think they're big and fat and they're fatless. They're 4% body fat and they're looking like... That's not a physical... One could say that, you know, the physical part of that is not working because their brain is processing it wrong mm-hmm. if that makes sense the mm-hmm. mental part didn't work for them because they're processing it wrong like everything is a matter of perception right um and now i feel like the college freshman who smoked weed for the first time <laughs> <laughs> no it, mind, is, it is heady stuff and it's yeah. and it's stuff that i i deal with all the time i think we all do yeah. i mean i literally i literally the other night uh i had this really good workout 
on the Peloton and was like sweating like crazy. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, I was spent. Like it was one of those good feelings. Yeah. And 30 minutes later came out of the bathroom, uh, where the, like the toilet door is mm-hmm. to the, to the mirror at the sink and caught myself in the mirror and was like, you're a piece of garbage. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. Hey, welcome to the lifestyle, brother. You're here. You're living it. You know what I mean? I yeah. mean, I don't think we, I think we're all always kind of, kind of wrestling with that yeah but i don't really care so much about the looking chubby in the mirror at Mm -hmm. that moment long term throughout the day after that workout like that what how i'll feel two hours later Mm -hmm. just when someone says something aggravating and it rolls off the back Mm -hmm. you're just like you don't care yeah where if you hadn't worked out your pride and this is a problem all of a sudden yeah right 100 i am i once uh gained 20 pounds because somebody commented on a YouTube video. They said, Josh looks like he's at, quote, JV muscle mass. And I read one comment from one person. I was like, I'll show you JV. I'm varsity, bro. I'm bar-. And then I <laughs> proceeded over the next two months to just gain 20 pounds and just lift like a madman. Oh, really? um, and so, yeah, it's just funny how this guy <laughs> anonymous. Is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> could have been a 13-year-old in Bangladesh. Yeah, I don't know, he, man. He could have misspelled. It could have been an IV muscle yeah, mass. Been, Who knows what he was we saying? We don't know. And so, yeah, it's funny how, how fickle and fragile this whole ecosystem is. Yeah. And I accept it. So how do you deal with your diet part of it? Like, are you... Because you, I mean, it's kind of funny now that I'm thinking about it, because um, not to put you in the same boat as Babish, who, mm-hmm. have, you, have you ever met him? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, great we're guy. friends, yeah. Yeah, great guy. And, uh, but you're also, you're, you're like, you're, you're both attractive, healthy people. <laughs> Thank you. I think you're very handsome. <laughs> Thank you. I, yeah, wasn't, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't digging, but I think, but I mean, that thing of yeah. like, you would think that guys that were putting up, you know, s- sandwiches from SpongeBob or mm-hmm. the Flaming Hot Whatevers would be uh, a different shape and size yeah but uh but it works like it works but what do you what do you put in your body on a daily basis are you really strict with yourself no i mean i i have my my sort of rules where one i i work out so much because i can be less strict with it i i love drinking on the weekends i love you know uh eating I just had all you can eat Korean hot pot two days ago. That was fantastic. Right. But then during the weekday, and I know Babish said the same exact thing. Where yeah. like clock strikes five on Friday, uh-huh. no rules, baby. Mom's out of town. Uh-huh. You know, we're putting marshmallow <laughs> fluff on the pizza. Right. And then Monday through Friday, there's stuff we have to eat on set. Stuff yeah. we get to eat on set because I lo- love the flaming hot Cheetos elote pizza that we make. Right. You know, but it's like I'll eat a slice of that, and then whereas right. before I might have eaten half of it, uh-huh. and then you know I like today for instance I have had a protein shake, a protein bar, two eggs, and then a uh, chicken salad from CPK, and then three additional chicken breast tenders. Right. <laughs> and so I'm climbing my way to two hundred eight two hundred grams of protein every single day. Uh-huh. Um, and then if I have no excuse to not eat clean, then mm-hmm. I'll eat clean. Right. But then somebody invites me out to dinner. I will never be that schmuck who goes like, I'm on a diet and I'm right. Out. Right. And so as long as you know, it doesn't affect my my social life my social obligations yeah, but yeah. if you left me in a, in a room alone like my fiance's out of town right now uh-huh. <laughs> she used to be a restaurant publicist and so we really bonded over our love of food and eating in restaurants mm-hmm. and she's out of town for like a month and so i'm like i can just hold myself up and just be spartan yeah and just go to the gym every single day and eat jarred salsa dumped on top of a rotisserie chicken yeah and so if left to my own devices i'll kind of do that more or less yeah you get a little bit mon- monastic about yeah, it yeah exactly yeah when it, as soon as like my wife was just away and mm. she came home last night and all of a sudden 
should we have a glass of wine? Yeah, exactly. We, exactly. We're like celebrating, you know. And those are very meaningful. I mean, yeah. those are the meaningful experiences, yeah. right? But but really, if you could just be alone, you could be like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not eating dinner tonight. Yeah. What? The whole family's like, what do you mean exactly, we're not yeah. eating dinner tonight? We want to eat dinner tonight. Yeah. And it's cool for like two weeks, and then yeah. you're like, man, I'm sure lonely. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Why? Well, I'm in good shape. I feel <laughs> I know, lean, yeah. but I'm sad. In good shape for nobody. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. So that leads me to this question, which is uh, very concerning. Um, I just gave you a um, big loaf of bread. Oh yes, uh, pan de campagna, which is a it's, it's 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 really a pretty beautiful loaf. Mm. Um, your fiance's gone. Um, will you eat it? Yes, I will eat it. That is another thing. Um, if especially if somebody gives me a gift, like to receive food, especially food you didn't pay for. Right. <laughs> what a freaking gift, yeah. man! Uh, and that means so much to me. And I am really excited i don't right. think i have oh no i do have um i know what i'm gonna do with it now i instead of going grocery shopping this is my, just interrupt you this is oh, my fa- this has become my favorite thing <laughs> really because everybody i give it to i give it to everybody yeah everybody reports back or tells me what they're going to do or what or they send me pictures of what they have done i will send you a picture it's of, the of best. what i make tonight because it's so creative and everybody has their own design of what they're gonna do yeah because i mean like a beautiful loaf of you know panda campagna you're not like making a, a pb and j with it i mean you know maybe yeah. you are yeah, maybe you are um i i'm actually we're going out of town for the youtube convention vidcon cool soon. and so i um got back from a little weekend trip and i was like i could either grocery shop for two and a half days worth of food yeah or i could buy two family meals from zanku chicken and just ride that out yeah, and so smart. i've been been eating just rotisserie chicken for every single meal <laughs> oh, nice. um eating all the pickled turnips and so now i'm yeah. gonna make some sort of nice like a tartine with uh, a ball and chopped pickled turnips Ooh, nice yeah all right send me a picture of it. i promise I you i'll give you that. my number before you leave. <laughs> all right one last question um which it may not be the last because it's kind of a big one i shouldn't have opened with it uh this youtube thing Mm -hmm. you've got a whole team and you're part of this this larger mythical family Mm -hmm. um but people don't realize i i just because people wanted to know how i made my bread and i just posted like six videos of making sourdough bread Mm -hmm. and i showed bagels and like you know a couple things and it is a ton of work i mean Mm -hmm. it was just me and my assistant in my kitchen um Similar to what you were talking about of writing and having to do three articles a day. Yeah. This is a beast. Like, oh, yeah. People are looking at, at your thing and wanting more all the time. Yeah. Uh, how, how much of a full-time gig is it? Oh, man. I mean, it's... Um, so, I'm also the director of culinary content across all of Mythical. For okay. whatever, it's a bit of a made-up title. But, you know, we have so many irons in the fire everywhere because you have to in digital media, right? Yeah. There's, you know, we're making uh, just on my channel, um, 104, actually I think it's, it's 102. We do two little dark weeks as a treat, Uh Uh, but it's 102 (laughs) videos a year. You know, it's twice weekly and these aren't five, six minute YouTube videos. These are 22 minute cooking shows. This is stuff that used to be on the food network Mm -hmm. and we're doing that twice a week in perpetuity till the day I die. We're producing (laughs) right now. We are doing four 60 second recipe videos across TikTok, Instagram, and uh, YouTube shorts. We are also syndicating our content across Snapchat, which gets edited by somebody else. 
from YouTube. Uh-huh. Um, and then there's all the ancillary stuff. Of, do we Jeez. write a cookbook? We're prepping for a pop-up right now. We <laughs> record a podcast um, called A Hot Dog is a Sandwich. Had to plug it. Yep. <laughs> um, and, you know, we're doing an hour podcast every week. And we, this is the only entertainment that I've grown up not only really consuming, but also working in. So yeah. for me, it's all normal where it's just go, go, go all the time. Yeah. And so it's been very normalized for me, but, um, is yeah. it the kind of thing like doing a game show where you'll do like, just go hardcore for three weeks and mm. bank up as much as you possibly can? Like whatever number that is. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so we do, you know, and again, it's the people who are even figuring out the schedules. We have like a meeting of a triumvirate of people who are like, well, this camera is being loaned out on that day for that show. So we can't shoot there. And mm-hmm. like the director is doing a special project with this. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, which is kind of the beauty of our company is that yeah. we do everything at scale. Right. Right. Uh, almost. I mean, hell, everybody's full time at the company. So we're not hiring, you know, people on day rates to cam op or to right. edit and stuff like that. Right. Um, it's just everybody working on all these things constantly that yeah. keep the organism thriving and just feeding a constant coal fire. God, it's really great. Yeah. It really is cool. Because yeah, there really is like that thing you start to see about all this stuff, the, the ones that are successful, there's a mm. real energy behind them. Yeah. There's a real energy and you have a great on-screen energy and it's fun to watch. Like Thank it's you. really, it's like, it's, you're learning something, but you're also amused and like yeah, yeah. hanging with this guy, but it's things that have pure energy mm. and like they, it's almost like to, uh, you have to feed the machine, but in order to feed it, you need that energy it kind of is all kind of feeds itself in a way. It does. And, uh, and the fact that you can't languish on anything. Yeah. yeah I mean, and again, when I <laughs> wrote the cookbook, if you want manic energy, look at a 24 hours on a bus to Reno writing a cookbook, <laughs> yeah. you know, and you click send and you can't languish on anything because, well, there's another thing you got to do. Yeah. And so I will get one of the trippiest things to me is um, like someone tweeted at me the other day. They're like, I finally get that reference you made to the fighter. And I was like... <laughs> I say so many things. I, there's, there's like three hours a week yeah. of me just saying yeah. stuff. I, can you be more specific? <laughs> right. And like you said, head body, head body. I was like, yeah, it's a great reference. Thank you for the, but people will, you know, yeah. send these things as if I remember anything I did yeah. in a video three months ago. It's, I mean, it's like severance for mm-hmm. me where it's like, I, right. I clock in, I record things, I leave anything that is yeah. on the screen. That is an avatar and barely yeah. representative of the flesh and bone. But it's kind of cool. Like when you tell the whole story it's like Mm -hmm. you're kind of built for this yeah you really are like if there is a little adhd component it it was kind of a blessing oh oh, 100 (laughs) percent. yeah i I couldn't thrive yeah can you imagine me doing data entry (laughs) what the hell (laughs) yeah Yeah, if you did it would just be like a ton of it (laughs) i entered all the data none of it's right but it's all in there man i got the i got numbers for days Well, this was great. I really appreciate you coming by, and uh, I I can't wait to uh, to do more. Come back and uh, let me know what you did with the bread. I, I promise you, I'll do that. Thanks for having and, me. Thanks, and I'll let you know if I ever get on those rings. <laughs> let me know, man. All right. The rings are a new thing. I don't, I don't love the rings. Yeah, I don't know about That's the rings either. You know what I like doing with the rings? Just holding onto them and laying back. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna. Oh, it's like a nice that feels good. Stretch. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice yeah. stretch. Don't make me do dips on the rings. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> we got it, Aaron. Aaron, we got him. All right. That's our big show. I hope you had a good time. I told you Josh was an interesting fellow. Of course, go and uh, check out all of his stuff on YouTube. It's very funny. It's very watchable. 
it is a, uh, a very cool experience, and I thank you for uh, coming along. Now get out there and enjoy yourself. Enjoy this week. Enjoy the 4th of July week. Whatever your stress level is with the country right now, don't be a quitter. Stay in it. Get some hot dogs and start changing people's minds if that's what you need to do. Or just embrace it if that's what you want to do. Either way, stuff your face with something good. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week. Also, go to TomPapa.com. I mean, I have a lot of tour dates we just released. We've, we're coming to the Wilbur in the fall in Boston. We're coming to the New York area. I'm going to be in Borgata next week in Atlantic City. We've got a whole bunch of clubs coming up throughout the summer to get ready for my Netflix taping, which is going to be in September. So we're going to hit uh, Brea Improv. We're going to hit Wise Guys in Salt Lake City. We've got Arizona Improv. We're even going to Hawaii to perform there. Go to TomPapa.com. All the dates are there. Like I said, we're going to Boston. We're going to New York and New Jersey and Florida and Texas. All over the tour, we'll be rolling along. All right. Enjoy yourselves. We'll see you next week.